How's it going, folks? Welcome to the first episode of Just Normal Men. My name is Brian. I am live from London. Uh, and I'm Jay, live from Dublin. You seemed unsure there. You were. Yeah. I was. I had to kind of look out the window and check where I was there for a second. <laughs> where yeah, am I, Paris? Crazy week. <laughs> crazy week. How has your week been? What have you been up to? Yeah, it's been pretty good. I was over with you in London um, for a lot of the week, for the start of the week, um, auditioning, trying to get that bread, um, mm-hmm. which didn't work out, but that's okay. That's part of the gig. Um, and other than that, been just back at home, chilling. Nothing that is really part of the gig. I, I, It yeah, is I'm, part I'm, of the gig. You're a professional actor, and I am not. So I was, I, I, I always am curious, Is like, if you don't get a gig, obviously there is that disappointment, but it's also almost like, well, you kind of have to accept this because it is part of it. Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. It's like literally you are going to get no, uh, like many more times than you're mm. going to ever going to get a yes. And that's just kind of part of it. Um, I'm pretty good at going, okay, let's be disappointed here for the next minute. And then, let's put it behind us kind of after the audition in general i tend to just straight away just put it behind and take it as a no and then it's a a nice surprise if it kind of goes any further but you just have to kind of compartmentalize in your head to say that's just something that i didn't get and that's okay and because if you get hung up on it (laughs) it's going to start affecting your next auditions and uh, then you start getting desperate and there's nothing worse than being desperate in an audition mean, room. All... It's okay. <laughs> I was saying, like, not in life. Like, it's okay. It's okay to be desperate. Um, but no, nothing worse than the smell of desperation in 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 auditions and in relationships, I would say. Uh, you know, the, we've all been a bit desperate. It's two o'clock uh, in the club. You're looking around. You're like, please. <laughs> that one that came up to you earlier. You're like, how can I get back around that? Yeah, we'll come <laughs> Just mosey on over. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, that's fair enough. You do have to kind yeah. of just put it behind you um, to an extent. Um, I've just watched the cat, as always, whenever I start recording. It's suddenly like, I must be in there, despite yeah. being outside. He just launched himself at the window, like fully launched himself at the window, and now he's scratching at it. So I am, of course, as per, going to have to leave the recording to let this fucking cat in. <laughs> Why, why, why do you always do this when I'm in the middle of doing something? Yeah, you should be sorry. I'm sure. Got lots of catching up with my good friend Jay to do, all right? And we're back. Cat's in, the cat's safe. Um, not so what were you up to this week? Well, nothing really. Uh, you know, me just working. Um, AFCON uh, has taken over my life, but we've eight matches left. Um, it was a very, very good um Round of 16, um, Nigeria, who I am proxy uh, supporting in this, in this, uh, what am I saying? In this tournament, um, are, pro- are now the favorites. Um, so it's a very open tournament now because Egypt, Ghana, Cameroon, yeah. Senegal, Morocco, Tunisia, and Algeria, what you would describe as like the, the major powers um, in African football have all been knocked out. Um, so of the traditional powers, there's only really Cote d'Ivoire and Nigeria left. Cote d'Ivoire aren't particularly good, but could ride the wave um, of coming back home. Bring... Yeah, they, you know, they, they, they've they knocked out the champions uh, in a game where they kind of went 1-0 down early and had to 
really find something inside them to get back into it. And they deserved, in the, in the end, they deserved to win on penalties. But um, can they ride that wave now of, of kind of euphoria? And they were they were dreadful in the group stages, um, survived by sheer luck, really, in the end. Um, and But can they go all the way? Possibly. Um, they have to play Mali in the in the last eight, who look like a good a good side. Um, and on that side of the draw, it's also um, Democratic Republic of Congo and Guinea. Neither side are massively impressed. I think when I've watched them, I've gone, yeah, they look okay, um, but didn't really have them anywhere down as getting close to to being a winner. But now suddenly they're they're in a kind of an open side of the draw. And on Nigeria's side, they have Angola on Friday, which is is it. I would say on pa- on paper, obviously, you would have said all the teams I've mentioned previously who are out should be in this quarterfinals. But on paper, Nigeria have the better players, should go and beat them. But Angola have looked... I actually think I've been impressed by Angola quite a bit um, so far uh, in in the uh, in the tournament. And they, they smashed, I think, the Mauritania uh, 3-0 in the, in the last 16. So they will be... Um, a challenge uh, and then they've got on the other side of that draw is Cape Verde who were kind of a surprise package of Pico Lopez from Shamrock Rovers and South Africa who are kind of slowly gaining um, confidence lost the first game to Mali and, but they had missed a penalty early on and then they hammered Namibia and then they kind of eked it out against Tunisia um, and now they're kind of you know they beat Morocco who were a lot of people's favourites last night um, and you suddenly think that you know all of the teams that are left in it will look at that draw and think we have a chance here. Um, I think Afcon is always traditionally kind of more open. There's been far more winners of Afcon than there has of any other international tournament um, around the world. Um, I mean, it's held every two years, so that, that does kind of help. But um, yeah, I, I'm very kind of interested to see. I really hope Nigeria go the way for for my job. It it, it would be so much better if they did go all the way when we did it two years ago and they, they got knocked out in the last 16 and kind of killed all the enthusiasm for it. But um, I think if they can win on Friday, you know, the, the the hype machine could take over um, a little mm. bit, but they have the players. They've got Victor Osman who looked... I read this thing that Victor Osman has been drug tested after like every game they've had so far. <laughs> um, and in fairness, on uh, Saturday there against Cameroon, he was buzzing about the place he was he was his pressing his pressing was ridiculous um he won the ball back for the first goal and like he was just on a different planet to the rest of the players yeah i've seen that and yeah calf might be looking at him going how is he doing this but he's, he's doing this because a he is african player of the year and b he is uh at that elite level that i wouldn't say there's too many man he was at before but probably isn't now there's not too many players um in africa in this particular tournament that you would say are at that elite level. Salah, but obviously he got yeah. injured. Uh, Hakimi but missed a penalty last night. Um, and then you kind of go down the list and you go, all right, they're not at, at Osman's level. So, um, source Super Eagles is, is all I have to say on that. But uh, yeah, <laughs> that was basically my week. And the yeah. next week, I'll probably sit here and talk about Nigeria getting beaten by Angola. But I hope not. I hope. Thanks for listening to the AppCon podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I actually could do an AppCon podcast. One of the lads texted me. You've absolutely you just spoke for about eight minutes. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I could have Let's see how much gets cut. Okay. Yeah, all, <laughs> no, 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 all of this. Can't uh, leave all I can't believe
yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I have been watching. I've watched. I haven't missed a single match yet. Um, so I. Well, it's your job. Know, like it is my literal job. Yeah. It, it's and literally your job to sit there and watch it. But I was saying to uh, the the lads asked me after um, the group stages put together like an eleven, the best eleven uh, of the group stages. And the thing with Afghan is obviously you, you maybe aren't as familiar with a lot of the players. Um, as you will be with another tournament, because um, they might be playing in uh, leagues in Africa or further afield that you mightn't be as familiar with. But I couldn't believe the when they said, "Oh, you know, who would be in your best 11? And I was just like, "Right, so Sinioko uh, has to be in there. He was excellent." And I was going through all these players. I was like, "Yeah, he has to be in there. He has to be in there." I was like, "Where the hell have I got this information from?" And I was like, "Oh, it's my own information because I've been sitting there watching it Looking every day for world. ten hours." Um, yeah. so, I think it's yeah, great. It's definitely a good um, advertisement for AFCON and it's definitely going to, um, with the excitement of it and how it's been this mm. year, it's going to be great for the game in Africa in general. And yeah. Uh, yeah, for many years to come and it won't be such a big kind of thing of managers and everything just talking about how awful it is that they have to leave in the middle of the season. Um, it's going to be like, well, they're going to, to play for the country and that's it. Like, yeah, well, good thing in, in 2025, no, next year, it's next summer. Um, which oh. is interesting. They they have moved it now to coincide with the uh, with, with the European calendar as such because so many players are over there now. That this tournament that's on now was supposed to be in the summer, but they thought it's the rainy season, so it'll be interesting to see how it works. Um, yeah. I can't remember off the top of my head where it is next. Um, I think it's actually in three countries, but it it is it's a great advertisement for for international football in general. Um, and the Asian yeah. Cup is on at the moment as well, and that's mm. that's really exciting too. For the, yeah, South Korea scored a, a last minute, a 99-minute equalizer. Yeah. And then beat Saudi Arabia on penalties last night. So, And there's a, some random, a random countries. That's very demeaning, I think. But you know what I mean? Like, there's countries you wouldn't necessarily describe as football and paradise as doing really well in that. So it is a good advertisement for international football, which, as we know, is my my main, um, my my number one. Is that right? My number one footballing thing. My main footballing thing, my favorite footballing thing. That's what I was trying to say. Just yeah. forgot how to speak English there. <laughs> the word favorite uh, just escaped me yes. there. <laughs> so I think we need to move on uh, away from Afcon uh, and talk about what we want to talk about this week, which um, primarily is cults. Um, yes. You know, which is this came about. This came about because uh, we were we were sitting in your sitting room. And you um, turned on some documentaries because um, you weren't working till later on in the day. And then you realized that you were all of a sudden in this hole of watching several kind of cultish documentaries on Netflix yes. and other streaming um, platforms, which are available, of course. Um, we are not sponsored, <laughs> funny enough. Um, but if they want. Yeah. And we were just kind of discussing how interesting it is and, and how this can how they become so huge and so popular and how it keeps happening over and over and over again, despite the horrific ending yeah. that a lot of them generally tend to come to. So, yeah, I think that's, I was watching the documentary on, uh, on Waco or Waco, yes. if you're uh, trying to be funny. Um, why, uh, when you said it again, Waco uh, and the siege there, and it's a documentary on Netflix and it kind of goes through it. Um, documentary is pretty good, but uh, I would prefer they giving you a bit more context at the start to, how we ended up in the siege. They kind of just went, the ATF showed up and then we're here. Yeah. Okay. Well, how did we get from A to B? Um, 
but it did make it, what, what, what I found fascinating when I was saying to you was I think you went off to your audition and I, I finished the ending and some of the former members of that cult who hadn't had gotten out of of the the siege and it's 30 not 32 three years later now and they're still so like and i understand for some of them these are their friends and family that got killed and i i can i can understand that and the cognitive this cognitive dissonance that maybe an emotional attachment you have kicks in but i'm still like 33 years later and you've all this evidence presented to you by so many independent um, people, it's not just the US government, it's not just ATF, it's not just the FBI who are saying like all of these things and it, it, they're just like, no, 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 no. And I suppose I was thinking like that must be so hard to, you you believe in something so much that even when evidence is presented to the contrary, you still can't accept it. Yeah, I think I, I was thinking about this and I was kind of looking it up and stuff and the psychology of why people join these cults and stuff like that. And mm. generally, uh, obviously, it's 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 hard to measure the, the mental health of people that join cults and stuff like that, because as as you said, even after with these people, well, like. <laughs> hard to measure sometimes you can look at them and you're like you're you're, you're, in, a, you're in a cult i can tell like one tweet can tell you the mental health of a person that would or wouldn't join a cult but for for for, for scientific purposes um, yeah I, I, so they remove obviously the, the leader of the group or leaders of this cult might remove your autonomy completely Mm. Um, that's the first thing they aim to do to take it away um and your competence and 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 everything that um that you need to be a human um they remove that first so that all you have left is that sense of community you know you're, you're completely starved of everything else so all you have are the people around you so yeah when you're left with that like it, it it's almost even if you do even if for a second you go Oh God, I don't know whether I've made the right decision here. Is it more scary to kind of admit that you've been wrong this whole time? Or yeah. just stay with these kind of lovely, nice people that you've spent your whole entire life with? You know what I mean? And and and, and, and bore families with and Yeah, yeah. Unless you're a man Sometimes. and we're you, you you don't get to um enjoy your wife, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was the weirdest was that was in the wake of him wasn't it and it was uh yeah. the leader's name completely escapes me uh he he stopped the men having sex with their wives and he said i am the only person who can have now have sex with your wives and i'm like as a man you must even as a woman actually not even yeah. as a person as a, as a human if you're like married to someone and you're invested emotionally in their well-being and you know you have a sexual relationship that's exclusive and uh monogamous how much do you have to fucking believe in something that if someone else says you're not allowed to have sex with that person only i am you're like yeah all right fair enough yeah yeah cool, cool. yeah i get Over. it like for the greater good absolutely yeah, for this the makes greater sense. Good. But it's all, that's always what happens. It starts off as this like huge, um, like oh, this is your divine uh, duty. This is you, you're going to save everyone. This is for, or sometimes it's for God or I am God. It's always one or the other, and then it always ends up about about a year in. He's like, I think I think I'm 
I can only have sex with everyone here. Um, <laughs> it it's always it's, happens. I've never it's always, it in the end of it, just a massive ploy by some pretty intelligent fella to have sex with loads of women. <laughs> We're laughing, but that is terrible. Yeah, like, we, exactly, yeah, it's horrible. Oh my god, it's dreadful. Yeah, but I've never heard it's... of a cult. You're right, where it's like, oh, we just went around and just picked, you know, uh, made daisy chains and, and yeah, I just want to be. We just, we just okay. want a better world. You know, we, yeah, we just, yeah. Every time you read just about kind a cult... of, we just kind of believe in socialism, so we're kind of starting our own thing here. No, oh no, yeah, no, yeah. don't come over here. Like, no, it yeah. always ends up. I think I'm gonna have sex with. Everybody. Yeah, yeah, it always is it okay. It, 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 uh, when you watch these documentaries <laughs> or you read about them afterwards, they always end up with the, the first like couple of paragraphs or uh, about the in the article you might be reading, uh, uh, are like, so he told us we were going to um do this and do that and XYZ and it was all wonderful and we we're gonna be saved and all this, and then there's always the but and then the but is always then he had sex with my daughter, and you're like, "Oh, right, okay. Oh, I didn't see that coming." Oh, yeah. And then, He's a, yeah, you know, like that should be, yeah, yeah, that should be the, the like. I remember in school we had a talk one day, and it must have been in our last year of school or second last year, about a man who dealt with um, getting people out of cults. Um, oh, and I remember him kind of talking about it and he's like, people, they, they just, because of the intelligence and because of the, the tactics used by these cults to, to bring people in, they do just kind of lose their way entirely. So they don't trust their good instincts. They don't trust their senses because of the tactics that are used. And you're like, oh, that's fascinating. Um, but still, and, and, I, and, and maybe it's easy when you've not been in that position. And we all go through that, that period in our lives where we don't, think straight um and and you make this bad decisions based you don't on join your... a cult yeah but that's what i'm saying <laughs> I, I you know i remember this is i remember <laughs> this is fucking ridiculous i remember when me and my ex broke up and i said i'm gonna get off the train we broke up on a train i said i'm gonna get off the train and get off this stop early i can't remember where it was in london and i said let's get a taxi home and she's gone somewhere else and i got into this taxi and I was like driving for like two minutes and your man said to me, he turned around and he's being nice. And he's like, are you okay? And I was like, oh, to be honest with you, mate, like, no, not really. And it was like half one at night or something. I was like, not really, to be honest with you, man. And he said, oh, like, what's up? And, and I said, I was kind of, at first I was like really impressed by this guy's like emotional intelligence to pick up. You know, you get in a taxi and you're like, please don't talk to me. Um, he picked up what was going on. And then he said to me, uh, he started talking about Islam. And how he believed in like all this stuff and blah blah blah. And I was like, oh, like, okay, that's really interesting and nice. And then like the longer the conversation, because he didn't really know he was actually driving through London when he got the the um the call from Uber or whatever. And uh he didn't really know where he was going entirely. And he just kept trying to like, oh, you should you should come down. And I know Islam's not a, a cult, but I was just like, that would be because I was in such a bad place mentally, I was like, imagine. I went, that breakup happened and then I just became like an Islamic scholar like what a fucking 90 degree turn and that would be I just want to justify the face that I made there my when you said that Islam isn't a cult obviously it's not but I meant that towards religion in general yeah, yeah. is that there are some similarities between the way a cult starts and the way religion is ran 
you know? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that wasn't a, a particular slight against Islam. That's in general, maybe these religions are just like big. They are. They're big cults, really. Well, I mean, they would have started no. as cults. So, I mean, yeah. they would have been I mean, technically not starting as cults is not like um, it seems like a slight. But you know what I mean? Like they probably would. They were all viewed uh, at the time. Uh, Christianity, Islam, the two I can think of. You know, Mormonism, whatever you want to go through in the sex. Yeah. Um, that's sects, not sex. Um, as as you know, kind of breakaways and and. I mean, Protestantism started as a breakaway from the Catholic Church and was, you know, we were told, no, don't join that, it's bad. And and I suppose that's where we look at cults now. Um, they just have been able to grow further. So I don't actually know at what point does a cult become a religion. I mean, yeah. they're always a religion. Well, technically all. They're mostly religious. There is a cult. That cult, you know, yeah, the one yeah. in, um, oh, the one, they do the health stuff in Ireland. And it's technically described as a cult. They have the little the shop. They have the shop in Billions. You know the one that was down by the car park, and they sell the health health supplements. Oh yes, 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 yes. So yeah. apparently, I can't remember the name, but apparently yeah. that is a cult. Oh um, really? Yeah, that's what your man told us at school. He was like, "Oh yeah, we we class that as a cult because they." He's, I remember him explaining to him, I can't remember now, and it's so I really wish I could remember the story to tell because yeah. it was really interesting to hear. It's like how they get you in and what they do, and like, yeah, but they weren't a religious cult, that was what was, yeah, um, odd about them. They were, they were, uh, kind of what you would say, like a money making cult or something. Um, I suppose you know, most cults are about power and money and sex, but this one was like specifically not about the leader being Jesus or in touch with, um, a higher being as such. Yeah. Um, so on the, the, I was like, okay, cults to me. Now I know they're not, but to me, I would always associate cults with Americans. Yes, absolutely. Now maybe uh, like I, 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 I had the exact same thought. Like you, you, you definitely always associate with them. But I mean, there's so many, so many people in America, obviously, but they've been so everything that we uh like enjoy in terms of media like mm. uh tv and film generally comes from america as well so we've been they're so part of our kind of zeitgeist and the the, the zeitgeist of the world in general yeah that maybe we just would see it more you know what i mean like i'm sure there's plenty of cults in like um any type of any of the asian countries the huge asian countries like china and stuff like that yeah, yeah, they're yeah. generally more private where Americans are like, we're right. Uh, yeah. And 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 that comes from their upbringing. They're, they're, they're not shy about saying that they are, in fact, in a cult. Yeah. And they want I to tell like, the there's world. Cults, there's cults everywhere in the world. It, but uh, like you say, we maybe we don't take in the, the media of those and don't understand yeah. them. And there's that cult in Ireland and the UK. But I'm it just always in my head, I associate them with Americans. And I... I wonder, like, okay, again, I'm generalizing. Is there something in the American psyche that means they're more susceptible to falling mm. for cults? Because it, I feel it... like if one of your mates turned around and said, oh, I'm seeing, like, you know, I'm I'm thinking of joining this group, you'd be like, shut the fuck up. What are you talking about? Like, you know, and, and then you'd be like, oh, yeah, right, fair enough. Um, 
Whereas I think like Americans, I don't know. I remember I went to my mate own was doing uh, his undergrad was in religious um, teaching and stuff. And for his thesis, he had to go and like interview like people from different religions. And one of them was like, he, he wanted to do something on Mormonism. So he reached out to Mormon missionaries and he said, oh, do you want to come with me? And I was like, yeah, sound nothing to do on a Sunday afternoon. Um, so went and when we got there, it was two young American Mormon missionaries and this Irish woman. And when we got there, they were like, oh, we had to ask this 30, 40 year old Irish woman to sit in with us because they couldn't sit in the room as two young single women with two young single men, like unsupervised. And we were like, all right, okay, we're not going to jump on you or anything. And they're like, no. We're like, all right, fair enough. So we sat with her and she was Irish. And we found her more fascinating than them because we were like, you didn't grow up in Mormonism. Like yeah. you came to be. And like, I actually felt kind of bad. because She was like a bit like, she was like, oh yeah, when my mother died, I was feeling a bit lost and two Mormon missionaries called the door. And I kind of was like, yeah, see, maybe they manipulated you a yeah. little bit emotionally. And, but I was like, you can't say that to someone because that's their, no. obviously their, their held, very strongly held belief. But I was so fascinating because I was like, you, because she like worked for Cadbury's and they couldn't eat chocolate. Mormons can't eat caffeine and chocolate and all these things. And she was like, worked for Cadbury's. And she brought us two bags, like two huge bags full of Cadbury's stuff. And was like, oh, here you go. I just have them in my house, but I can't eat them. I mean, we were like, class, like, unreal. Um, and then we were like, what, what do, you, do you not miss? Like, they can't drink alcohol. And she's like, oh, I didn't really drink anyway. Because, but I really miss a cup of tea. And we're like, what? Like, oh, Jesus. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, what about the decaffeinated stuff? She's like, no, yeah. I wouldn't really just be on the safe side. And we're like, that is, it is. It's so much more fascinating when you hear somebody not American. Yeah, yeah. Being part of like Mormonism uh, in particular, but also I literally just popped into my head. I can't believe I didn't think it is before. Um, last year, a fellow that I was working with was telling me about a, a friend of his, could be a friend of his, but <laughs> um, he said he was going out with this girl, um, yeah, going really. I, can't, I think they were living in London or it might have been Dublin. I can't, I'm not entirely sure. Um, one or the other, uh, and uh, met her, was going really well with her. Um, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, like after like a year, year and a half, quite serious relationship, disappeared, gone, off the face of the earth, no phone, no contact. He just kind of woke up and she was gone. All right. Heartbroken, understandably, kind of eventually got over it. This was about, I think it was like eight, nine years ago. Next of all, he's sitting watching the documentary on Netflix I'm not. I'm not entirely sure which one it was. I think it, it it's set in Canada. I'm not entirely sure which documentary. I should have checked that, but I literally only thought of the story now. And she pops up in the documentary talking oh. about the cult that she's in, or or maybe it was in and and kind of she had she had got out or woke up as they kind of call it. Um, and she was in it. So what had happened was she had just, I, I don't know whether she ran away and then found a cult or, or, or seen it online and decided to join it. I'm not entirely sure. Um, but it was just mad. It was absolutely, and she was Irish. She was definitely Irish. It was fascinating to hear this person. Um, I think she was an actress. She was, a, she was a, a, doing quite well. She was like quite successful in, in the business. And then next of all, he looks on Netflix on nearly 10 years later and she's sitting there talking about the cult 
that she had joined. And then he texted her when he, I, it must have been that she, she was talking about she, she wasn't, wasn't there anymore and she was back living somewhere. And he ended up finding a way to get in contact where I think it was like family friend or something like that. And text her and she was like, yeah, blah, 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 this happened. And then they were talking for a while and then he realized all the questions start changing. And I was like, so like, how do you feel about this? And how do you feel about the world? Do you not think that this is bad? And do you not think that this is bad? And he realized she was trying to get him to join the cult. She was still in it. She still believed it. It was, I, I was sitting there and, and we were sharing a dressing room and he was telling me and my jaw was on the floor. I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh my God. Imagine sitting there and, and think about anyone that you met when you were younger and you're sitting there watching like a huge, huge budget documentary on Netflix about an American cult and they sit there and a the girl that you went out with is sitting there talking about it. It's yeah, it's so interesting to hear. Um, uh, like you said, the the reason it's so interesting is because they're not American, which is terrible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's as you said, there's, there's cults everywhere, but you only generally hear about these ones in America, and you'll always yeah, associate it with Americans. I watched a documentary on, um, I think it's on BBC, and it's about the Mormon missionaries in in the UK, and they're like actually people from here, and one of them. Uh, so the own the new owners of Burnley are Mormons, and Ooh. one of the lads in it. They, they it's talking about being a young Mormon in the UK, and the owner's daughter ends up marrying some UK missionary and stuff and blah blah. But it, yeah, it was just kind of fascinating to be like, especially the ones that had become Mormons, like they didn't grow up in like if you grow up in something like we grew up as Catholics, but I mean like I wouldn't class myself as a Catholic now. But mm. if if you found out that I went to mass every week. You probably have some questions because I'm a young person going to mass every week, and that is kind of um, not I, normality. I would I would say for people. Of yeah, our I age. think I think in about in about uh, uh, like ten years or so, that will be considered like it's all normal for us to talk about when we were younger that we'd mm. go to mass. I generally didn't, but you hear about someone my age or even a little bit younger, and you're like, yeah, that makes sense. Everybody yeah. done that, but yeah, everyone's done it. Whereas like. If if, if I grew up, I, if I grew up as like not religious at all, I was an Irish person because again I see this all the time on like Instagram and stuff and TikTok and and all that about Americans who are like I found God and you're like cool. Your man actually from that uh, verse twelve rap group, he got himself baptized there. Did you see that? What? Yeah, this was popped up on my Instagram about a month ago. I saw it on Twitter. It's not someone saying like, "Oh, your man from Outburst or what are they called verse twelve? Um getting uh, baptized is like not on like my 2024 and I was like I didn't see that and then it came up on my Instagram and it's just him getting baptized I was like alright fair enough if that's what you want to do wow. I was like that's is a bit like it's just it's yeah. just I suppose but I, I think one of the things about religion is it's so personal to you and if you really are if you feel like you're lost in your life it can give you a sense of belonging now you can look and say is that are they being preyed upon you know as vulnerable people um, mm. to go in and join a cult or a religion and, and it's not necessarily what they need. Um, but if it gives you a sense of peace and uh, belonging and direction in your life, more power to you. Like, yeah, but there is. There, there is. They're, they're generally based, uh, I think, originally, I would hope originally, 
in just being a good person. That's mm. that's what they all generally either started as or or is usually a big part of it. Um, like I, I wanted to not baptize Frankie, my son. I, I, I wanted to, I suppose, make a statement sounds terrible, but I can't think of another way to say it. But just like you don't have to do this. Like you yeah, do, yeah. It, it doesn't have to be like you get baptized. And and my my partner Sarah said, yeah, but like, well, she she had a, a valid argument in terms of that school still now are looking yeah. for your baptismal cert, which is completely illegal, but still goes on. Um, yeah, and and then we just kind of talked, and it just meant it. It makes no difference to me because mm. I was baptized. You were baptized. We all make our own decisions when we get old enough. Yeah. Um, but it, it was more out of fear for her. But then I had like family members, like my nanny and stuff, going, and she wouldn't be a, a very religious person. Like I said, we didn't grow up going to mass or anything like that. But she was. Ah, I I do like to see them baptized. I do like to see them baptized. You know what I mean? So it just meant, not that it meant something for him to be baptized, but it was more that if he didn't, yeah, what happens? Which is really the fear that still lasts. Yeah. Is that what if you don't? What if if you die and you you walk up to the gates and he's like... I do say, like, my granddad... (laughs) You're a very naughty boy. You know, no, 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 no. (laughs) My, My granddad was like super religious like went to mass every day um yeah like was uh, the most practicing catholic he he practiced so much he became the catholic um he would have been pope he could have been pope um but he i remember you know obviously obviously i stopped going to mass because so i was like this is nonsense and um he always joke about like, oh he'll get you back to the sacraments there's no hope for you and all this blah, blah, blah. but i remember i was one day i was i was in his house doing some like garden work or something for him and he was out in the back front garden helping me out in his 80s like shouldn't have been but was and um he was i was talking to him about it he was like what don't you believe and i was like i just i was like with all respect kind of it just seems completely far-fetched to me and 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 ridiculous that there's a man in the sky that you know oversees everything and blah blah blah, blah. and uh and then we kind of got into it a little bit more and he was just like do you know what he was like he will obviously not make those jokes about He'd he'd love to have me as as a you know a, a Catholic and stuff, but he was like, as long as you live a good life and you try your best to be good, that's good enough for him. And I was like, that is a brilliant way of looking at. It. I think most people, most right-minded people, think about it that way. That yeah. whatever you are, as long as you're doing good and you're trying to do good, whatever your creed is that's fine and then obviously you get people who are just like you know when when no, you have to do it this way yeah you have to do it this mm. way and you're just like would you would you ever just give over would you yeah you just, just cop just cop on shut up you you big pig yeah so um, we did get him baptized for anyone that's wondering um i didn't want him to and um sarah did so we compromised and and got him baptized. Um, you know that's, that's not a compromise. <laughs> not a compromise. I'm well aware it's not a compromise. Uh, <laughs> uh, you mean y- you said no, and she said yes, so we said yes. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. Happy um, wife, happy life, as they always say. Wife, I life. did type into Google um, funniest cults because I thought that would be like 
something someone's written about like ah oh, yeah. look at this, these guys did and the one of the first things that comes up is rolling stone magazine have an article and it's from 2017 and it's it's this is the title of it five spiritual groups that went too far oh. so i'm thinking there's gonna be some humor in this the first i mean the very first example is jim jones now i would say jim jones ordering his entire people's temple to commit mass suicide isn't going too far i would think that doesn't really apply going too far is i mean you making a joke and someone getting upset and go, yeah I went a bit yeah you crossed the line there yeah. <laughs> mass suicide however <laughs> convincing hundreds of people to end their own life now there is something slightly funny the only people <laughs> who didn't drink the cyanide laced kool-aid which was where the phrase drink the Kool-Aid comes from. Is it? It is, yeah. Oh, that's horrific. Drank... Yeah. Oh, my God. Cyanide, cyanide laced, uh, thing in Guyana, Jonestown. Uh, I thought it was I thought it was to do with you, you're hanging around. This makes no sense now that I'm thinking about it. But in my head, I just thought it was you're hanging around the Kool-Aid table. Every The people that stand at the table where the Kool-Aid is. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Kool-Aid table? What Kool-Aid table? Yeah, you know, I thought it was an Americanism. Um, oh. 909 people died because they drank cyanide-laced um, Kool-Aid. Yeah. So, the only people in the cult who didn't drink the Kool-Aid and die is the, and this is completely real, the cult's basketball team because they were playing an away game. <laughs> that's genuinely, genuinely true. <laughs> so it's like oh well you know what oh, I'm like maybe the lord likes basketball more than cyanide so I know no uh, listen we have the game so I'll drink that uh, tomorrow when we get back yeah. then they got back and they were like Jesus that Jesus. was yeah wow they, they all <laughs> went for it I didn't I didn't think every single other person would do <laughs> But I'm like, what a, what a weird team for a cult to have a basketball team. <laughs> you play next week. Oh, Catholic Church. They've got a, they've got some strong, like they got a big center. So we're, 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 we're yeah, we, yeah, we know it's gonna be a yeah. tough game. Um, <laughs> the Michael Jordan of the Vatican. Um, is, Do you think that? You know when that bit in, um, in Space Jam where. Uh, Bugs makes up Michael's secret stuff. Do you think that Catholics pray over that and transubstantiation happens and they believe that the secret stuff is the actual blood of Christ and that's why they always win? Maybe it is. I'm just just saying. Who do you think would have the best football team? Christianity, Islam, cults. I mean, Christianity... You'd have to say Christianity, wouldn't you? Yeah, but only because the 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 amount of people they have to choose from. Yeah, but no, the great yeah. footballers that that are Muslim. Yeah, yeah, particularly over the last kind of 10, 15 years. Yeah, that'd be a good game. Maybe we should do that. Probably so yeah. massive tension. It's like that that person that made that heaven and hell <laughs> <laughs> game on FIFA. Uh, Mahatma, Mahatma uh, Gandhi in goal. <laughs> Second person, second group on this list are the Branch Davidians. Um, 
David Koresh, that was the name of their leader. Um, so they obviously went a bit too far. Uh, then we have the Sullivanians. Um, like so I never heard families? of <laughs> Those little badger people? <laughs> no, they're the Sylvanians. <laughs> <laughs> Although, they could be... Go- Do you follow Sylvanian drama on TikTok? No. Oh, what? you should. It's so fucking funny. So I, I will send you videos. It's basically like someone takes the... Um, the Sylvanian dolls and like has like you know stills and then a caption and it basically is just like Carnation Street but with Sylvanian <laughs> dolls. It's unreal. But no, they're not a cult. Um, the Sylvanians, I'd never heard of these, right? But you'll never ever guess what this is rooted in. A polyamorous commune. No way. I I I, I am swear. shocked. Okay, uh, the Saul B. Newton founded the Sullivan Institute in 1957 with his wife, Dr. Jane Pierce, in an attempt to create a viable alternative to the traditional nuclear family, which he viewed as the root of all social anxiety. Okay. okay. And they were located in three buildings on the Upper West Side of Manhattan, which might be the bougiest cult. Might be the bougiest cult. Uh, they... Opened a ther- operated as a therapy center and a polyamorous commune, despite the fact that Newton, the leader, had no formal training as a therapist. Again, this is a Shut horny up. man who wanted to have sex with lots of women. Lots of women at any moment. So if yeah. he has them under some sort of pseudo-psychic control, that's what they can... They were... So anyone in the thing was forbidden from engaging in exclusive relationships... Any children born to Sullivanians were sent away to a boarding school. Uh, all members were encouraged to cut ties with former friends and family, former friends and family. Uh, it had about five hundred. It had about five hundred members. Uh, the institute ended when Newton died in nineteen ninety one. So the main horny guy died, and everyone was like, and everyone was like, oh, oh, wait. Hold on a second. <laughs> he just wanted to have sex with all of us. That's that sounded very similar to the ones that that made Kellogg's. Is it Kellogg's or do you mean the Quakers? Potentially, I don't know. No, but there is. Capri's no, a... were were formed by uh, Quakers. Yeah, and they basically built like uh, Bourneville is like a town. And yeah, that, well, that was that. yeah, but that listen, that probably and you had to live like you, I mean, you lived at strict nuclear families in that um, in Bourneville, but it's like it was basically like supposed to be some like utopian. But you want to know something about that utopia? Guess the skin color of everyone in that utopia. Hmm, what mm. is it? <laughs> it's a, it's a mystery. It is a mystery. It's just crazy how all them people ended up being the same race. <laughs> what a coincidence! <laughs> it's a then we have Children of God, Family International. Now, I will say from the outset, Children of God, he has nicknamed himself Moses, which, okay, pretty on the nose. Um, it was a communist Christian offshoot in California. He doesn't hide who he is. Uh, so David Moses Berg founded this communist Christian offshoot in California in 1968. For someone so conter- concerned with moral decay and evolution, Berg had a very sex-centric perspective. <laughs> oh, no. On what? how to spread the views of Jesus. So he was fucking for Jesus. <laughs> I mean, so in many parts of the Catholic Church for a while. But that's neither here nor there. Oof. And, okay, this is brilliant. Um, 
part of his um, spread of Christ was spreading the legs of young ones, eh? Right? Uh, he did recruitment through flirty fishing, i.e. using young women to lure in new members by having sex with them. And apparently opposed anti-pedophilia laws, which, fair enough. Not fair enough. I mean, you know what I mean? Like in, in, <laughs> no, I don't mean fair enough. I mean, like I am totally, at, like, I am pro pedophilia laws. I mean, in the context of, oh, oh, I could, I could cut that so perfectly that you went <laughs> oppose pedophilia laws. No, I mean, in the context. Good man. Of, and then yeah. you said, obviously, I'm pro pedophilia. And then I could cut it. So it's just. <laughs> So it sounds like you go fair enough that he opposed them, and obviously I'm pro. Oh god, uh, this is just terrible. Like it is terrible. Uh, awful. Uh, so Joaquin Phoenix and the Phoenix family and Rose McGowan were born into the cult, and have obviously left uh, since growing up. But uh, this cult still goes on. But um, your man Berg said having sex with children was not only permitted but also a divine right. Um, which is fucking disgusting, yeah. obviously. Um, but yeah, it's it's I would say again too far, I went a bit too far. Again, I would say culture are absolutely terrible. Don't like going, oh, went a bit too far yeah. there. Oh, upset that girl there with that joke. Mm. Then we've got Heaven's Gate. Oh, uh, by the way, Children of God still going, still going around the world. Oh, in wow. Countries. Um Okay, and then Heaven's Gate, 1972 to 1997, so had a 25-year run. Heaven's Gate, founded in San Diego in 1972 by Marshall Applewhite and Bonnie Nettles, which is objectively a funny name, um, mm. was based on the premise, premise that aliens would escort members of the group to the kingdom of heaven via extraterrestrial spacecraft. Okay. I mean, that's um, kind of like the Mormons, isn't it? You're going to have your own planet, and Jesus has his planet, and God has his planet. It is, except in March 1997, the group carefully planned and then executed a mass suicide. Time to coincide with the arrival of the Hale-Bopp comet, which wow. members thought would conceal the alien spacecraft on its way to Earth. Clad in black, this is an unbelievable um, part of this. Clad in black tunics and Nikes, specifically Nikes. Okay. 39. Heaven's Gate members ate applesauce mixed with mix, applesauce mixed with a sedative with vodka, covered their heads in plastic bags and died. God. Nine of the 18 men, including Applewhite, had been surgically castrated as the group mandated celibacy. So this one was against sex. Was against sex. Which that's very surprising, but the, the thing that I thought and when I was talking about Kellogg's, um, I remember hearing this story. I think it was Blind Boy, actually, that... Um, so, is it John Kellogg? Yeah, John Kellogg. That sounds he, like a made-up. What do you call the name? The I, th I think Kellogg. it is John Kellogg. <laughs> Where is it? I'm, tell I'm telling you, it's definitely... Oh, it just says Dr. Kellogg. Hold on. <laughs> John and his wife, Kellogg. Mary anyway, Kellogg. So anyway, so he, Dr. Kellogg, we'll call him, I, I'm fairly sure. John Harvey Kellogg, it is. I told you, it's John Kellogg. You could have um, said Tony the Tiger Kellogg. So he, and it would have he, made as much difference in this story. He dedicated his life to encouraging abstinence because he believed it was it made your soul dirty. 
and it was all connected to your diet and how you ate. So he invented it, it granola and cornflakes as a way to make youths not masturbate anymore. So, so it was like so if you so I, I obviously it wasn't cocoa pops, but say if they had cocoa pops, they'd get the the sugar. <laughs> It wasn't Cocoa Pops because Kellogg's make Cocoa Pops now, and I'm sure he's turning in his grave. But yeah, uh, so if you if if you had a, a, an exciting breakfast, say like a, a I don't know a fry up or something like that, you'd start getting excited in general, and then you'd go and you'd either masturbate if you were younger or have sex with your wife if you were older. Wait, you couldn't um, even have sex so with your wife, even if you got he, married. He he didn't even have sex with his wife. Oh, and, uh, oh. yeah, yeah. So uh, that poor woman, and then you have to listen to him talk about. It. <laughs> yes, he, he's in there going, and we can't have sex ever. And she's like, right. Yeah. Okay. If, if if illicit co- uh, comments of the sexes is a heinous sin, which is what he wrote about sex, he said self pollution is a crime doubly uh, abominable, doubly abominable. So it's doubly. it's much worse to uh, to masturbate. So uh, Kellogg believed that the answer was a healthy diet, believing that more flavorsome foods encourage sexual activity. He came up with two breakfast staples. Um, he developed a few flaky grain-based cereals, including cornflakes, to hinder youths and troubled masturbators from the sinful act. He partnered with his brother um, to sell the product. There you go. So nice. sanitary believed sugar needed to be added. So sanitary... Oh, what's that? Uh, brother and Michigan's Battle Creek Sanitarium. So that's obviously... The, the company so they his brother and this company believed that you needed to add a, add sugar but John Kellogg actual name uh, was adamant that you keep the recipe sugar free for this reason the cereal was sold under the Kellogg family name and 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 now here we are that's bizarre crazy isn't it he so he wanted to eat boring foods and not have sex ever that sounds like the worst life like that, at least like, if you're not what a shit cult if you're yeah. going to join the cult, <laughs> who would want to join that? Oh, what do you offer? Like, um, terrible food and no sex. Yeah, yeah. It's it's obviously it's you know what I mean. Most of them right. are based on sex and stuff like that, and you, you generally usually have to let your wife um in <laughs> get involved with the leader, which is general yeah. generally what happens. But at least they're having sex. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> this is just like no, like and come the, join the our cult. The branch civilians had like serious weaponry as well so at least you got like pair of some guns <laughs> i'm not saying that they were you know, right if you're going if you had to join a cult that, that wouldn't be a top of my list now no um, if you had to join a cult again wouldn't be top of my list but Kellogg's one really doesn't sound appealing no grim absolutely grim Imagine eating cornflakes. I mean, I like cornflakes sometimes, but yeah, but a bit of sugar on it or honey or you know what I mean? Like, Jesus. No, I actually yeah, don't so mind cornflakes by themselves. I actually think they're like quite uh, you know, they're they're I wouldn't buy them, but you know, if you're in like a hotel or something and they don't have like they're having like a you know, whatever, so I just want a bit of cereal. Grant, like I wouldn't be messing around with them too much, but I wouldn't go and buy them. But I suppose then Kellogg's do make like frosties and Calca Pops and all now and stuff, so. I mean, John Kellogg, in fairness, sounds boring, but like, what a. I mean, it's worked out well for him. It worked out well. Well, well, more for his brother, I assume. He, he, they, they eventually. Yeah, I think his brother was like, was his brother into it? Like, he he probably started 
been into it. Um, and then was like, hold on a second. Um, I don't get to have sex here. So <laughs> I'm going to start also, my own thing. You know the way, like, when was this back in the 18 somethings, I assume? Yeah, yeah. So he was probably a celebrity. Oh, God. Yeah. So I am assuming that one of the Kellogg brothers, probably not John Kellogg, let's call him like, what's a, what's a you know, that um, in good. Santa, what's, a, what's the movie, Vince Vaughn? Fred Claus. Fred Kellogg <laughs> <laughs> was probably going around fucking riding with him. Yeah, I created the, uh, the, the cornflake. Fuck off, did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like in bars, like telling women, yeah, I created the cornflake. And then they're all like, ooh, sleep with the co- creative cornflakes. Like that's his story. <laughs> so Fred Kellogg was definitely yeah. off. Off Fred Kellogg. No. definitely off doing bits like, based on that. Yeah. Um, I believe so there, yeah, there's some some sort of connection then with with the, with that. I, I, I might be mixing up. Blind Boy does obviously a, a, an amazing in detail um, kind of theory on it, um, but there's a connection to the, a cult that started and they eventually started making cutlery like spoons and is that it's not Armitage Shanks, is it? it no, I don't, I, I'm, I'm not going to go ahead <laughs> with it. Just at one point, the cult. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it was but yeah so then they eventually like it was it was just kind of that's how they made the money they were selling cutlery and then it got so big that eventually became a business that i mean it, it does make sense yeah like you know people say like google has cult tendencies yeah you know because they give you because they feed you and like all that that like you could theoretically there's gyms you can actually sleep in you you yeah you could oh. you could live there yeah, like theoretically, you could never leave. Yeah, it's like Canary Wharf. I mean, there's people in Canary <laughs> Wharf, like genuinely, no, genuinely, there's people who live in Canary Wharf, and you're like, you have no reason to leave this building. Because Canary Wharf or the Irish version, swords. <laughs> people in swords don't leave swords. They don't. They don't. People have people in swords have never been to town. They they don't know what it's like. They're like, I why would I go to town? I have every I have everything here. Why would I leave? And they marry their cousins. <laughs> they 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 marry Great in the sword baby. family, and they just go to cafe bar every week, and that, that's it. What what more do you need? Pavilions and cafe bar. That's all you need. <laughs> There is some great pubs in sorts, to be fair. There but, is, in fairness. Uh, yeah, but in those pubs are people that have never left. There's, there's nobody on the Swords Express. There's, there's only ever people going to Swords. There's, there's, <laughs> there's, there's, there's never anybody going. The bus is empty driving the I love the idea of Swords, <laughs> swords being Canary Wharf. Like, I'm looking at a Canary Wharf now. Yeah, that's exactly what Pretty swords. similar. Pretty similar. Big, massive uh, skyscraper. <laughs> building swords. Jesus, probably pavilions. Probably for pavilions. Yeah, like three stories, three yeah. four stories. I think the HSBC, HSBC one that I'm looking at now, it must be 40, 50 stories, which is pretty, pretty similar. Really close enough. Close, close enough. enough. Yeah, <laughs> swords. The Canary Wharf of Dublin. Yeah. I did like that we we planned to talk about sports documentaries as well. Um, yes, but we can save that. We can save that. Um, there, yeah, there was enough to talk about with with, with cults. 
Um, yeah, well, I think cults and religion, we kind of just got a bit sidetracked there because we got really into it. But um, we will talk about our other topic, which was sports documentaries, looking at the Six Nations documentary and, and uh, welcome and to where, where Yeah, and where sports documentaries are, are going and why they're they're not as good, maybe, as they used to They're be. not. They're not, which is disappointing. Yeah. But um, thank you we'll so much for listening. Next week? Yes, oh, thank we can. you. Yep. Then we will be back next week to talk about um, sports documentaries. Um, and I will not say anything about pedophilia laws, hopefully. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I didn't mean it like that. Oh, no. Incredible. Oh, right. All right. We shall, we'll hopefully see you next week. Uh, thanks for tuning in uh, to Just Normal Men. And uh, yeah, we'll see you then. <laughs> Just innocent men too. I should really point that. <laughs> just, just in. We will have to reiterate that next week. Just normal men, comma, just innocent men. <laughs> All right. We'll see you next week. Go on. <laughs>